Welcome back to another episode of All Politics is Local, the Maryland edition with me, your host, Tamara Davis-Brown. I am starting off the new year with a dynamic young man who happens to be the mayor of Forest Heights, Mr. Troy Barrington Lilly. We are so excited to have him. He is going to tell you a lot about himself, so I'm not going to do much more than introduce him because he's going to give us a full bio. But one of the reasons that I wanted to invite him as guest speakers, well, obviously we know that we're in an election season with at least Congress, that is. This is the year that all the seats uh, for the House of Representatives are up for election and there will be several Senate seats, including one seat here in Maryland because our Senator, Mr. Ben Cardin, has decided that he's not going to run for office again. He's going to retire. We have several people running, including our county executive for Prince George's County, Angela also Brooks, running for that seat. Mayor Troy Barrington Lilly is the mayor of the town of Forest Heights and he's gonna tell you a little bit more about where that is and all the good things that are going on under his leadership as the new mayor. So welcome, Mayor Lilly. Thank you for joining us today on All Politics is Local. I'm so glad to have you. Good morning and thank you, Tamara, for having me. It's good to see you, happy new year to you. And it's great to be a guest on the show today, thank you. Very good, so we're just gonna jump right in and tell the listeners to you know, give them a little bit of bio about who you are. Did you grow up in the town of Forest Heights? How you came to the town? Just give us a little bit of background about your history and how you came to become mayor of Forest Heights. Absolutely. So um, I moved to Forest Heights about seven years ago, so I wasn't born and raised here. However, um, I grew up in Anne Arundel County, so in Maryland. My dad was in the Army, and we moved around a little bit you know, the beginning, early period of my life. But I grew up in Maryland, so Maryland is home. And uh, I've always had family members in Prince George's County. One of my mom's best friends used to live off of Branch Ave in Temple Hills. My uncle lived in Bladensburg. My aunt and uncle still live in uh, Springdale, and they've been there for 30 plus years. So Prince George's County was always like my second home. Uh, and then for probably a reason similar to a lot of folks, you know, wanted to be as close to DC as possible. But in Maryland, where it's a little bit more affordable to live, we landed in, in Forsyth about seven years ago. It's a, a small little town. It's what I like to call a brief reprieve from the hustle and bustle of the city on your way out to the exurbs and some of the more rural areas. Um, so it's like the best of everything. Convenient. Um, you've got trees and you've got neighbors who've been here 30 plus years, 40 years, some of them. And that's what really drew me here. Excellent. Um, so if you uh, were born and raised or, or lived in Anne Arundel, did you go to Anne Arundel High School? Where did you go to college? Uh, talk about your education. Yeah, so I graduated from Arundel High School back in 2000-something. I'll let folks do that on their own. <laughs> uh, and I actually was one of the kids who was trying to find what is my path going to be. I was really interested in the arts and creativity, but I wasn't able to hone in right away on what I wanted to do. So I spent um, a brief period in the Maryland Army National Guard Reserves. As I said, my dad was in the Army. So he was kind of like, this is a way for you to kind of figure out, you know, if this is for you and what you want to do afterwards. After serving that time, um, I worked for 13 years as a DOD contractor. And I worked on a really, really important project, worked in the office of the 
Joint Strike Fighter Program Office, uh, which is located in Arlington, Virginia. And that was, I would say, really a life-saving experience. Kind of worked my way up the rungs doing some asset management in the beginning, but I, you know, eventually was doing photography and design for that program office. And if, if you know anything about that, they're building the fifth generation fighter jet for a lot of the U.S.'s allies uh, and the three services. And so I got to meet a lot of folks who were pretty high ranking. We had engagements that I was covering with ministers of, of defense from Denmark and from uh, other nations that wanted to join the program. So that was what I would call character building, right? Learning from some very uh, successful leaders and then interacting with folks who were leaders from other nations, seeing how people are able to work together in high pressure environments to deliver results and to manage a lot of expectations, both external and internal. Uh, from there, I moved on and now I work for Accenture Federal Services doing product design and development uh, for the national security portfolio. So that's kind of my bio. I'm what, what I like to call an autodidact, right? Learning on my own and, and taking experiences and putting them together to build my story. That's interesting. That's something that I did not know about you. So I'm learning more about you myself. I'm going to get a little bit of personal and ask you because I was telling our producer that I thought you were the youngest mayor to ever serve, not only mayor of Forest Heights, but maybe currently in the state of Maryland that I could be wrong. If, uh, you said 2000 something, so um, I could be wrong. But uh, if you don't mind, if you don't want to share your age, share whether that fact is true that you are the youngest mayor in the town of Forest Heights and perhaps the youngest mayor in the state of Maryland, if not in this DMV area. Well, look, so now you made me, now I have to go back and do some, uh, look at the records and see what, what what's on the books. But I don't mind sharing my age. Not No, not at all. I'm 37. I'm told I was the youngest mayor in Forest Heights history. We've had 15 mayors total with me being the 15. So I'm told I'm the youngest uh, at 37. Now, the other places, I got to look this up. We got to see uh, what other history maybe that we made. I'd be interested to know. So thank you for asking. Okay, very good. Now, are you married? Do you have any children? Or I am married. My husband and I have been married since uh, earlier last year. So, um, yes, I am married happily and we don't have any children. No, we don't, but we're thinking about it. So we'll see, ask me that question in a couple of years and we'll see where we are. Okay. Very good. All right. So you lived in Forest Heights for seven years. Uh, tell the listeners exactly where Forest Heights is located in Maryland. Yes, I can tell you. Absolutely. Yeah. So you come into Forest Heights, uh, one of two ways. If you're leaving D.C. and you're on South Capitol Street, where one side is southwest and one side is southeast, as soon as you come across Southern Avenue and you pass East Over Shopping Center, when you get to Livingston Road and you see Henry's on one side and the McDonald's on the other side, that is the beginning of the residential area of Forest Heights. And once you get to 495, you're leaving it, right? But if you take Oxen Hill Road and you go past MGM and you're near Oxen Hill Manor, that's still Forest Heights. We've got some of that roadway at Oxen Hill Manor is actually entirely within our municipal bounds. Coming to Head Highway in that area, mm-hmm. to the left and the right, we see those houses. That's all we'll say. Yeah. Okay. Now, how far? So, if you go down Livingston Road, and for those of you who don't know, he mentioned a, a famous uh, restaurant landmark, Henry Soul Food Cafe, which is the home of sweet potato pies. <laughs> I buy a 
several pies every Thanksgiving. Um, but if you're going down Livingston Road, where the you like you said, you had the McDonald's on one side, and now the the office building, which has the dialysis uh, center in it right now. How far down Livingston Road do you go all the way up to Oxen Hill Road where you're now at the Aldi and, you know, all of that? How far down Livingston Road do you go? I'm glad you mentioned the office building because that office building with the Dialysis Center and Mountjoy Baptist Church, that recently came into the town's boundary. So that is Foresight. The businesses and the gas stations to your right are within the town. And as you drive up Livingston, what's on your left is not in the town. And Virtually everything that's on your right um, is within the town. So let me make that a little clear. Birchwood City and Clearview are on one side, right? Birchwood City and Clearview are on one side. You actually see their civic association signs. Livingston Terrace, that apartment complex, that's not in the town, but things to the right are in the town. Like there's a couple churches, Shaka Ministries, Abundant Life, there's a barber shop. Uh, but once you pass a street that's called Comanche, which runs into Livingston Road, before you get to that overpass of 495, you've already left four sites currently. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, but a lot of people don't know that if you turn on that street to right by McDonald's, where you you can turn left and enter into the the municipality's actual building, there's a whole community back there. Yeah, a lot of there people don't 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 realize that there's a, a bunch of houses because you can't really see it from um, two ten. Yeah, uh, but you can kind of you can see maybe one or two right at the the new light that they built um, when they were reconstructing all of the that intersection for MGM. Right for what what have you? But there's a couple houses you see, but it's a whole community. How many um, households does it, the town cover? Right now, we've got about nine hundred and fifty. So there's around a thousand households within the town. Would you say, I heard you say that you had some residents that have lived there for 30 or 40 years. So is it multifamily? I mean, multi-generational? Do you have a a lot of seniors? Do you have some young families? Because, you know, you and your husband, you you guys are young. Are there young families with children? Is it multi-generational or more kind of a retired, laid back uh, community? You know, it's a really good blend of both of those things. We have two elementary schools, Forsyth Elementary, which is on the Henry side. We've got Flintstone Elementary, which is on the side with the municipal building, that road you were just talking about, which is tucked away. So we've got a really good blend. I'm just thinking about the three houses to the right of me. They've all been owned by the same people for more than 30 years, more than 32 years. So there's a lot of stability, but then we've got a lot of you know new families that have moved in recently, some families that have moved in since I've been here and have kids going to one of the schools or the Montessori school, uh, John Hansen or National Christian Academy on Bach Road. So we've got a nice blend of everything. Everything is here. Everyone is here. <laughs> right. So I know I have a little bit of history about Flintstone because our children attended John Hansen Montessori. Okay. But uh, our children are, I guess, old enough now that the Montessori program was part of Flintstone at one point before it had its own separate building and the Montessori parents advocated for uh, a separate building and were able to be housed at John Hanson Montessori. So when I first looked into the program, I went to Flintstone Elementary um, to look into the Montessori program for both our son and daughter. 
and uh, I decided to wait until they actually moved to a separate building to put them into the program. But they both started at pre-K or K through eighth grade for the most part. Yep. So that's a little bit. I, I, I know a little bit about Forest Heights. And well, but what did you do? Inside knowledge. You taught me something. Yes, yes. Let's uh, pivot a little bit and talk about your public service career. How did you get involved? Correct me if I'm wrong. You were first a, a city a town council person before being elected to um, mayor. And yes. So talk talk to me a little bit about how that all came to be in terms of being on the, the, the town council what made you decide to run? What got you, you know, your juices flowing and getting active <laughs> and involved? So during the pandemic, I was home and I was able to join all the meetings virtually. And so I started jumping on every meeting about everything that was happening in Foresight. I had done it a little bit prior to the pandemic, but it was hard, you know, to get there in person on certain nights after working and you know, juggling other responsibilities. But once we went virtual, that was really the key. And so about a year in, our mayor actually passed away unexpectedly in 2021. Mayor Muhammad, she had just been reelected in March that year. She passed away in August unexpectedly. So we had to elect a new mayor, which opened up a seat on the council. Uh, I was actually appointed to that seat because I had been talking to council about some some ideas of things uh, that I thought maybe we could try to make improvements in the town. And so they appointed me to the seat. I was on the seat for a few months and then I had to run for re-election. I was re-elected, which was uh, a great experience after meeting residents and knocking hundreds of doors in the town. And so uh, a couple months after that, was chosen as council president. And a year later, May 2023, which would have been just last year, our previous mayor resigned. Uh, he had some personal responsibilities and he you know, wanted to just take some more time for himself. So uh, I became acting mayor, ran for the full seat, and we had a lot of support. I was, you know, honestly kind of surprised. But in the community, folks were really asking me to run, and I looked at work we had started. I wanted to continue that work. And so after some very serious consideration, I decided to put myself forward. And we had a lot of support. I think we had 94% of the vote. Uh, so that's kind of the story about getting into the mayor's seat. Okay, very good. So that's that's interesting to know. I I. I think I, I knew a little bit uh, about that. And honestly, I ha had not heard of you. Uh, for our listeners, the way that I met uh, Troy is uh, it was time for the South County Democratic Club to have elections. And I had served as president for quite some time, probably about eight years. Then I was secretary. Then I became vice president. And I was like, it's time for some new blood, some young people to get in here. And I was so excited that Troy stepped up to the plate to take my place as vice president of the South County Democratic Club. So thank you very much. <laughs> we need some fresh blood, new ideas. And you guys are doing a wonderful job with uh, my soror, uh, Courtney. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, thank Finkley Green, and um, so I'm so proud of you guys and what you're doing, and then you're taking it to the next level. And like I said, one of the things that we really want to do is to really encourage younger generation like yourselves to be more active and engaged in the civic process. 
Now, you talked about uh, when you were listening to some of the town meetings online and there were some ideas and some things that you wanted to implement. Can you kind of talk about those things? And now that you are mayor, what are some of your initiatives and what you are trying to implement in the town? Uh, Great question, Tara. So one of the things that I helped to do while I was on council was we started a youth and community bureau, which was a partnership between our town and uh, our district or our county council member's office. And so we've been able to uh, get someone on board to help us to connect the dots with organizations and opportunities in the community for youth and community folks of all ages. So we are in the process of uh, expanding our offering for our youth. We're going to have them in for a vision boarding session so we can hear from them and get their feedback about what will be valuable to them. And then we have some ideas about areas to target. So for example, uh, we're planning an economic empowerment series that is going to be totally centered around young folks and we want to make it interactive. So as opposed to having a presenter come in and, you know, do slides for two or three hours, we're going to create a format where they will get to come up with their own idea about either business or something they'd like to do. And then they can share and present on that. So youth and community engagement is definitely one of the the big pillars of what I wanted to bring. But as mayor, there's five things I'm working on. Uh, The first thing and the first ones are kind of the basics that you always have to get right. So we need infrastructure improvements and upgrades. And we already started some of those projects in my first seven months in office. We got a project done where we repaired streets in multiple places in the town and have upgraded some of the stormwater management. Uh, Another pillar is digital transformation. We had to get a lot of processes online, right? So that the knowledge base doesn't leave when a person leaves. And then also we're catching up with financial reporting so that we can provide transparency to our residents and comply with regulations across the state and county. Uh, The other two items are beautification. I'm sure if you've been to Henry's, right, you've seen the wild forest sites is beautiful. Everyone doesn't treat it that way. And so we are partnering with the state uh, highway administration to get access to 210 so that we can beautify it with trees and evergreens and things that will show that we really care about this place. This is a a beautiful place and a place to be respected by all the come uh, into and out of the town. And uh, the last portion is planning for the future. I'm not sure if you know, but uh, one of those topics that was being discussed when I was jumping on the virtual meetings during the pandemic was that we have a 20-acre mixed-use development called National View that is coming to town. It's going to be at the very bottom of town. So if you are getting off 495 to get on 210, Bald Eagle Road is a side road which leads you to Oxen Hill Road. It snakes next to 495. It's on the opposite side of MGM. There's going to be uh, an entire new development in addition to our town that's built there. And so we are engaging with that team and we're having public meetings and delivering resident feedback so that we can bring the two sides of the community together and unite them. So when that project comes online, residents who've been here feel included. And also, uh, lastly, I'll just add, I think that it's hard to get things done, big things done when you don't have a plan. And so one of the things I plan to deliver before I leave office is a capital improvement plan to prioritize what we're going to do, where in town and, and give residents feedback. And then also a strategic plan which looks at years down the line, what are the, the main things that we're going to focus on doing? Because we can't do 100 things at once, but we can focus on a handful of things and drive results uh, to those initiatives. 
to get them across the line. Well, that's very good, very aspirational, and I am so excited for your initiatives, and I know that you guys will do a great job with that with you as mayor of the town of of Forest Heights. I know about beautification because I, I remember when I was running for state senate for that district, we chose the area along 210 to kind of help beautify and pick up trash along the way. So I know that that is a, a, a great priority to keep it beautiful because you have some beautiful monument signs to tell you welcome to the town of Forest Heights. And we want to definitely keep that area very nice and beautiful as you exit the D.C. Uh, line and come into the town and you want it to, to present well. I'm a little excited about uh, the new project that you mentioned. I guess both excited and curious, a little sad too, because our daughter, when she was in Girl Scouts, she was a brownie, and that is the Oxen Hill Farm area, mm-hmm. and they have live animals. And I have this picture that I love of her. She was a brownie at the time, and they were in front of this huge cow, this big brown cow, her and her Girl Scout troop. And it says, uh, her T-shirt says, brownies can do anything. And that was the one of the first trips they did, uh, father-daughter uh, type trips there. So it brings back good memories. So I, I'm kind of going to miss that, that area for the educational piece that they had for young children there. But I'm also excited about this mixed-use uh, project. And when you say mixed use, it'll be residential and commercial, to your knowledge. I know you and I have personally talked about it offline, about what's coming. But tell us a little bit more about that project and and what the developers are planning. And I know, isn't that the same spot that at one point they were looking at maybe possibly putting the Commander's Stadium as well? Oh, the same look, thing? you're asking all good questions. So... Let me reassure you, farm is going nowhere. The farm is National Park Service land. And in fact, in addition to the farm itself, there's 330 acres of parkland that is a part of that whole site. And um, some of it actually fronts Oxen Run, which runs into the Potomac River. And there's a bike trail and a running trail back here. All of that is going to stay. If anyone from Congressman Glenn Ivey's office is listening or uh, Senator Van Hollen, who I'll see next week, or our future senator listening, Anything we can do to protect that parkland, we want to do. I never want to see that land be used for anything else except for preservation for residents in the area to enjoy it. That is the land that, you know, our former governor was trying to do a land swap with. He was trying to give that land to the state of Maryland, and he was going to uh, give land to Frederick, to the uh, National Park Service, or to, you know, the federal government. So he wanted to do a land swap and propose building the Redskins Stadium there, but that is not the site okay. for something like that. That is okay. a, a historic place that we need to keep. Uh, right, I agree. As green space. So on to National View. National View is actually built on a, a thin sliver of land that's beside the farm and closest to the uh, the end of the residential portion of Forest Heights as it exists. Okay, I it, know exactly where you're talking about. That. Right off of. Uh, Bald Eagle Road. So it is going to have an entrance, though, that's only from Bald Eagle Road. There won't be an entrance for vehicular traffic from the town. There'll be a pedestrian walkway from one of our streets where it dead ends, where there'll be a trail so residents can get in and out, which I think is a nice uh, compromise. 
Um, it's going to have residential. So the plan is for condominiums, for uh, apartments, for senior housing, and for low-income and moderately priced housing as a part of that component. Also, there's supposed to be some office space and a full-service grocer and other businesses. So it's supposed to be a mixture of everything, basically, at that one site. You could live there and not have to leave, basically. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you for clarifying that, but uh, I'm so glad that preservation of that green space and and the beautiful park there and the the river view and all of that is going to be maintained. So hats off to you for uh, fighting for that and and including that and and making sure that residents continue to enjoy that space. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we've talked about your initiatives. Now we're going to pivot a little bit because we kind of talked about the fact not only that you've run, but that now you're actively involved as vice president of the South County Democratic Club. And because this podcast is really trying to encourage the next generation, the millennials, the gens, whatever, <laughs> whatever they're called now, I can't keep up with them. Generation now, let's call them that. The gen- generation now, yes. Well, first of all, why should they be involved and actively engaged in local government first? Let's answer that first. What's what, What's your rationale um, as to if you were talking to someone your age or younger, uh, what would you tell them why it's important to be involved in civics and local government? Well, I would say that you want to have a state, meaning... If something happens, even if it's not exactly what you want, at least you influence it. And influence is really important in my in my mind. And so make your voice heard. You know, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. And if you don't share an idea, even if you don't know if it's good or if you're fearful about it, you can get feedback, right? And you can start to be part of the process. And I also think that I would say political experience comes in all shapes and sizes and buckets. Your lived experience is important because it informs policy and it informs empathy. And I think everyone's lived experience is relatable to the problems that we're trying to solve. You don't have to have a poli-sci degree or be a lawyer or have even looked at legislation. You know, I like to tell a joke. Uh, Before I got involved in the council, I didn't know a proclamation from a resolution, from an ordinance, from anything. But if you are willing to Think about what problems need to be solved and then to propose solutions and have conversations, even with people you disagree with, to form uh, solid policy. All those other things will come into line. So whatever experience you've had, whether you've been a college student, worked in the corporate world, or whether you've been a business owner, or whether you've been a tradesman, all of that knowledge and experience is valuable in shaping policy. So bring your ideas forth, try them on for size, let other people uh, give feedback, hear what other people are thinking, and then that's the way that the process works best, in my opinion. Excellent, and I I agree. I found this quote from Plato, of all people, mm. that says, your lack of engagement basically means that you're going to be ruled by people inferior to you. Wow. And I thought that was very powerful. So I start now that I send out emails, I start putting that quote down at the bottom 
of all of the, the emails just to say, hey, you need to be active and involved. And I loved how you said that your own personal experiences bring about empathy, brings a, a level of knowledge base that maybe the policymakers don't know or don't understand. And I think that's why I get involved. It, like, you guys are are making high-level decisions up here, but this is how it impacts me down right where I live. This is how it impacts me on my street in my yes. neighborhood. And so if you want to be able to influence that, you've got to be involved. And I appreciate those comments, so thank you about for that. So if a young person who's living in the town of Forest Heights wanted to be in, more involved and wanted to be able to participate besides the initiative what are some of the the committees that the town has that if someone that does live in the town wants to find out more information how could they become more engaged so we meet twice a month at a minimum we meet the first monday of every month at 7 30 and we meet the third wednesday of every month at 8 p.m if there's a holiday we'll shift it one day to the next business day. So sometimes, you know, the Monday meetings on a Tuesday, the Wednesday meeting normally is not interrupted. Uh, Those meetings are hybrid. So we stream live on YouTube, Facebook, and we hold those meetings in person at the the town hall chamber. And I love to see people come in person. And in fact, we started serving refreshments at a lot of the meetings because we know it's dinner time for a lot of people, but we want to have folks come out. We want to hear from you. And I personally, and I think the council would agree we are feedback people. We want to hear what are we getting right? Where do we need to make some changes or improvement? I like to hear feedback. And so for a young person, I understand that maybe a meeting, you know, with all of us at the table and the gavel and Robert's rules is a little bit intimidating. So outside of meetings, I'm always trying to talk to and listen to young folks, right? If I see you walking up the street as I'm driving by, or if I'm riding my bike or walking around, I see you, or if you're volunteering at one of our events, I'm going to strike up conversation with you. And I want you to talk back to me and I want to build a connection. Meaning like, let's exchange phone numbers, email me, send me a message on Instagram, which I have done with some of the kids, you know, um, for our harvest day back in October, we had a lot of kids from Potomac and Occidental high school volunteer. And we brought them back to a meeting after that and thanked them. Uh, gave them a certificate, but more so, I just wanted them to know, we want to hear from you. We want your involvement. We want to see your face. We want you to, we want to let you know you have, you know, the opportunity to take up space here and to ask questions. And so there's actually a couple young people I've been in regular communication with who were like, well, what does your job entail? Or how can I learn how to do some of what you're doing? Or will you take me to some of the places you're going to meet people and see things happen? And I'm like, when I hear that, that's excellent. My, my uh, light bulb was going off and I'm like, yes, I want to pull you in because if you're eager and you're excited and you're willing, I will bring you where we're going so that you can get exposed because we need you to be in line to take the reins. That's excellent. And you mentioned activities. And so we're going to kind of close on that. Uh, I heard you talk about a harvest fest, but although we're in the the heat of winter or the the cold of winter right now, what are some of the activities and events that the town has? What is something that's coming up that you may want to publicize in addition to your normal council and town meetings? 
what are some of the things that you're working on right now that you and the council members to prepare and plan for for the resident of town of Forest Heights? Well, this is a really big year for Forest Heights. I'm glad you asked that question. We are celebrating 75 years of incorporation. On April 20th, we're going to have a 75th Diamond Jubilee celebration banquet and dinner that evening, April the 20th, 2024. And we want everyone that's listening, and this includes you and your husband and folks that you know, we want to invite you all out to come celebrate with us. We're going to have some special guests. We're going to tell the town's history, and we are going to set the tone for the next 75 years. That sounds great. I did not know that the town was soon to be 75 years since its incorporation. That is that is great. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed learning more about you, uh, Mr. Mayor, learning more about the town of Forest Heights, some of the new projects that are coming, some of the new initiatives that you are doing, and now the 75th yes. uh, Jubilee anniversary of its incorporation. So it's been a pleasure having you. Thank you for spending time with me this morning. I know that you are a busy man, not only with your job, but as mayor of the town of Forest Heights. So I thank you for your time and for coming on to talk about the local things because all politics is local. And so thank you for joining us. We appreciate you and to our listeners, We want you to subscribe, like, share with all of your your friends and neighbors about what's going on in the town of Forest Heights. And remember, all politics is local. Thanks for joining us.